You can take the football away from the boys, but you can't take the boys away from the football. It's a push-off off-season. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Push-Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week. While well, I get you ready for the next, I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us, as always, it's... Dan, clean in and out of the breaks. Right. Dan, we are done with the season. The Super Bowl happened. The LA Rams have been crowned champions. So why are we here? What are we doing here? Well, Scott, because we have... Maybe my second... Listen. <laughs> it's maybe... I, I don't want to say it's my favorite thing listen, because I love listening? football. I love football. I really do. But maybe I like scouting more. Wow. Maybe I like it more just because it's so... There's so much possibility. There's so much potential. There's so many, you know, diamonds in the rough. There's so many guys that don't fulfill the promise. There's so many stories inside of scouting. I'm going to say I like football more, but man, scouting is one of my favorite things in the fucking world. And I, I'm just so jazzed to be started again. Oh, wide receivers today. Yep, that's the answer. We're here for to talk wide receivers. It's scouting season. We get us ready for the, the, uh, the draft happening up in late April. Yeah, Christmas. Uh, Jaguars on the clock. Let's go. Uh, once again. Jaguar news. Yeah, Jaguar news. There it is. Uh, feels like uh, deja vu all over again, but Jaguars are on the clock and Lions are picking second. Isn't that where we were just a couple years ago? <laughs> pretty pretty close. The Lions weren't number two, but uh, oh boy. They yeah, were they weren't awful. last year, but they were the year before that, right? Yeah. With Okuda. Yeah. But anyways, we're talking wide receivers this this game, uh, this game, this, this week. Uh, there was nothing that happened last week in the NFL, so we get to you know, pick our own topics here. Um, there's some news. I can l- start with that. And we were talking about mm-hmm. it before recording, uh, the, uh, reshuffle of announcers and where they might be, uh, heading is happening now. Uh, Amazon's got a deal now with, uh, getting Thursday night football. I believe, uh, solely them. I think you have to have Amazon prime to watch Thursday night football moving forward. Which is fine. I do. I, I uh, do. They're, they're working on the DirecTV deal, the the Sunday ticket. That could be huge. That would be huge. Um, but uh, so we're going to find out all that stuff. But what we did find out is Monday Night Football, always tweaking. Ever since uh, John Madden and Al Michaels had left, there really hasn't been – there's been a hole there for the NFL uh, yeah. and for ESPN. And they're filling it here with Troy Aikman, who's going to end up being a Monday Night Football booth man. Uh, probably color, probably the same thing he was doing with Joe Buck on Fox. Oh, yeah. Five years, $90 million, you told me that was his contract? It's looking around there. It's, it's around five years, $90 million, which is like, I mean, that's pretty good mid-level current QB money. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's talk about this. Uh, that means Fox is losing one of their top guys. Uh he was opposite Joe Buck. I, I assume is Joe Buck probably staying right with Fox. I can't imagine ESPN is going to put together a package that could lure Joe Buck because Joe Buck, you got to remember, also does baseball. Right. You know, so he is Fox Sports right now for them. I I can see whatever offer comes in, they're they're not going to let him go. 
So, you know, it breaks up what is a really good pair with Buck and Aikman. Um, I know not everybody likes Joe Buck. I think he does a good job. You know, he's a he's a play-by-play guy. He does it really well, does it better than most. Um, I think Aikman's going to need a strong play-by-play in order to let him flourish. I agree. Yeah, no, there, there was a – the key thing was everybody hated Joe Buck, but the more interviews I heard from him where he's like, everybody hates me and I'll, li- I'll own it, and then – he called the World Series win by the Cubs. That's you know close to my heart. He called the Minneapolis miracle. <laughs> so you end up on the good side of things, and you don't like you're not like upset that the Vikings pulled out a miracle with Stefan Diggs down the sidelines. You're like, oh man, I had money on the Saints. Then I like the guy. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not against Joe Buck. There's a lot more worse stuff out there, and that's why Monday Night Football is spending so much money on Troy Aikman to come over because they've been they've had enough of it. ESPN, Monday Night Football has had enough of being the joke cast. Everybody's listening, you know, are we going to want listen to Troy Aikman, though, or the Manning brothers who have their renewal for five years? Yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing. Is like ESPN has not always had the best idea. In, like, they log jam shit. Um, but I, I also realize that the Manning cast is not for everybody. True. You know, it's for us, but it's not for everybody. The... The the sort of mid level dudes that are like I know enough about football go to go to Troy Aikman you know go to whoever they got there for the diehards the diehard weirdos we're gonna be watching the Madden cast the uh, the Vikings only Monday night game this season I can't remember I remember the Bears game uh, I don't believe there was a Manning cast on that one and even if there was that was the time I went saw Spider Man instead so I didn't watch the game <laughs> live but I came back and I'm pretty sure I watched the live feed from there so I don't think. Manicast was on. They weren't on every game. You had Manicast for Cowboys game, right? I did, yes. And you watched them do the game? Because sometimes they're not paying attention to the game. So I feel like that might no. pull me out of it a little. Well, it's it's one of those things where I'm watching the game so intently. And for me, football is so much a visual thing. Sure. You know, I'm not, I'm not really listening to the commentators that much. You know, yeah. I've done my research on the game, especially Cowboys games. I've done my research. I know what the storylines are. I know who I'm watching to do what. You know, I'm looking at what matchups. I enjoy having very knowledgeable football people talk about football in general rather than, you know, the exact <laughs> number of yards that were gained on an outside run play, you know, in the C gap. I, I don't fucking care. Right. It's, you know, I, I see it. I can see it. I don't need you to tell me what happened. And they don't. And I appreciate that. Honestly, when we, when I've gone to games, like me and my brother, uh, sitting there in the stands and we'll be the ones who'll be like, what was that? Three yard run? Okay. I can live with that. Okay. I can live, you know, talking out loud the game. So yeah, you're right. We don't need it. I think true football fans don't really care who's in the mic because if they hate it, they can mute it, play it on some music and still enjoy the game. Um, so yeah, we move on from Monday Night Football and what the Aikman will be doing to uh, Fox Sports and what will they be doing? Look, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, Dan, where normally we'd be watching football. I think at mm-hmm. one point I told my wife, you know what? This is some bullshit these Sundays without football. So Fox Sports is trying to change that. And because we always talk about this stuff when it when it surfaces, I'm going to spend a little bit on it before we hit wide receivers. It's the only other really mm-hmm. bit of news. The USFL 2.0. Oh, uh, yeah. It's kicked off. We've had the draft this uh, week and a look at the uniforms. There's eight teams total. I want to talk about the USFL. So uh, here's, first of all, a little bit about them. The original league that launched back in 1983 had 12 teams. It grew to 18 went about three seasons before folding. 
Uh, if you really want to hear more about that, the 30 for 30 is really good about it. Like who killed the USFL? I think it's what's Donald called. Trump. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much ends. It. It's, it was Donald Trump that killed it. Uh, and that's probably why he hates the NFL so much. But anyways, that's another story. So watch the 30 for 30 is what I say. Uh, the league is going to start here in April. They're hoping then for the MLB to lockout to continue because then definitely people be watching this. I mean, well, oh, yeah. which league? It was probably the AAF that took the biggest gain for viewership because everything else stopped. No, they just started at a good time. Is that right? The AAF, well, the USFL, the thing that killed the USFL the last time was moving to the fall and becoming a direct competitor with the NFL. Right. The thing that is that the USFL is realizing is we are not ready to take on the NFL. Let's build a fan base and let's just be the spring league. Yeah. You know, there's there's enough soccer out there that you can tell there's, you know, there's enough soccer leagues that are viewed by millions and millions of people independently. You don't need them to go head to head with one another. The fact that they're there, the fact that they're interesting. I would I would think if the USFL does this right, five to ten years, the Super Bowl is a little different. <laughs> you mm. know, I think there's if the USFL can grow the way it's supposed to grow and can and can do what the USFL was on pace doing, which is, you know, fucking maybe it's not an actual different Super Bowl, but I think it could be very interesting to have last year's winner of the USFL Bowl or whatever it is, play that year's Super Bowl winner for X amount of millions of dollars. Could be good. <laughs> That'd be Could fun. be fun. You'd, you'd really have to be talking the, uh, yeah, the NFL into playing that game. That's a big one. But Oh, yeah. Uh, here's something, though, that, go, that goes against the chance of this thing lasting even five years. This is the seventh non-arena, we'll put that in front, non-arena pro football league to launch since the 1970 NFL merger when AFL first did it. This is the seventh time they've tried to re- replace that. Started with the WFL and then the USFL 1.0, then XFL 1.0. We all remember that fun one. UFL, mm-hmm. AAF, XFL 2.0, which I'm hearing rumblings might be making a deal with NFL to kind of be its. Uh, well, the Rock is involved. Yeah, the under league, right? The mm-hmm. uh, farm league for the NFL. Yeah, like D league. Yeah. Which be that actually makes total sense. Oh, that's the one way I think one of these leagues really sticks around because all of these prior three seasons or fewer. That's yep. it. And next, and honestly, UFFL 1.0, I never watched it. This was before my time. 1983 is the year I was born. I don't <laughs> date myself like that. Uh, so I never saw it, but apparently the, at least 30 for 30 made it sound like it had the best chance of continuing. Yes, it did. And they made they made stupid moves because they wanted to be an NFL competitor rather than another sports league until they grew strong enough. They <laughs> it's one of those things they didn't they didn't upgrade their character enough to take on the boss. Right. And then the boss kept whipping them. And then you couldn't upgrade anymore. You just got whooped and then you stopped playing the game. So um, but what's cool is they're honoring the past by bringing back eight of those teams. So it's real teams from back then. It is Birmingham Stallions, Houston Gamblers, Michigan Panthers, New Jersey Generals, New Orleans Breakers, Philadelphia Stars, Pittsburgh Maulers, Tampa Bay Bandits. I, I say the names of these teams and the, the cities that, that uh, precede them for one special reason – they're not tied to those cities at all. This league, yeah, this is a big mis- This is a, a big thing that's going to have to get over people's heads. Is all of these games are going to be played in Birmingham, Alabama, and nowhere else? 
other than it, the championship. So if they get to the championship, which a lot of these leagues haven't been able to do yet, honestly, the last few, did XFL have a championship game? 2.0? Uh, I don't, I think, no, they didn't. Because the that new, was right in the middle of uh, COVID. And AAF collapsed on its own. Okay, so yep. if they get there, the championship game will be in Canton, Ohio. Which I think is smart. Sure. You know. And that'll be what, July or something like that, so it's not a big deal. Uh, it's because it's only an eight-team league, so it's got to be a pretty quick season. We'll probably be over I, in a month and so. a half, two months. Yeah, so they did the draft and everything like that. So, I mean, Michigan Panthers, they were the ones who won the last one, I think, in the league, so they picked first or whatever. But you're not – you can cheer for them as if they're in Michigan, but they're not going to – you can't go see them in Michigan. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that is a huge drop-off in, in terms of, like – how are you really going to get fans for this shit? But most people watch things on TV now anyway. So that's right. maybe that's what they're hoping for. It's going to be a YouTube-like thing. Everything's on Fox Sports. Uh, they own the league, so they're going to own you know show every game and all that stuff. And interesting, a, uh, a league uh, owned by a television station, like what happens if this thing really does take off? Then does ownership become a bigger thing and selling it to multi-million dollar you know, old white men like the regular NFL league? <laughs> Yeah, could do it. Do they do they do expansion? You know, does another which they already come in and expand? So we'll see. A couple of notable coaches. Jeff Fisher is back. He's coaching the Panthers. Um, Well, it's good to know their record ahead of the season. (laughs) Nice, even eight and eight. Uh, And like you guys only played six games. We're an eight and eight team. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, don't know what to tell you. Uh, Generals uh, head coach is Mike Riley. He was what Nebraska, I think. Uh, That's Lincoln Riley. Oh, that was Lincoln Riley. Mike Riley. Uh, I'll have to look up which he was a college head coach too, I believe. And then uh, the bandits, Todd Haley. Remember Todd Haley used to be Kansas I City. I do remember Todd Haley, yeah. offensive coordinator for the Browns as well. Got embarrassed by. I think oh, yeah, that was, that was the last stint in the NFL for him. Yeah, uh, he's bandits head coach. I think he was offensive coordinator for a high school team before this. Is what they were saying. <laughs> that makes sense. So he's battling his way back. Um, Draft by position. Let's see. Oh, the number one draft. So they do it by position. QBs went first, obviously. The number one pick then was Shea Patterson out of Michigan, buddy. Yeah, it was. uh, Shea Patterson is a guy that has not been asked to stick around to the NFL Mm. um, and, like, isn't on a practice squad anywhere. So these are guys that are not on practice squads. These are guys that are not even sniffing an NFL roster. Yeah. Um, And Shea Patterson is connected, obviously, to Michigan. Um, but also has a, a couple fans down in Mississippi. So you never know. Uh, he might might bring some fans down with him to Birmingham. That's a fun pick then. Yeah, that matches up. Yeah, it's not um, – it's – what was I thinking of? It's not uh, – this isn't the Europe League like we talked about last week where no. there's players that are, I'm going to play here to get seen so I can get up the – you know, get some playing time in the NFL. No, these guys aren't – yeah, they're not going to be playing anywhere else, but – Still pro football players. Let's see what we got. Yeah, let's get paid. Yeah, people have gotten NFL positions. You know, the smallest amount from this stuff. So, okay, that's probably enough for a league that might not make it a whole season. Let's talk about the <laughs> NFL and let's talk about wide receivers. Um, yes, sir. And we're only talking about wide receivers. And you guys have known us in the past because you're f- push off fans. You listen to us for five seasons now. We usually shove two, you know, t- uh, positions in here. Got a little extra time and a little more elbow room. We don't have to talk about the cornerbacks this week. Let's talk about the very, what I'm hearing, very deep wide receivers in this NFL draft. Yes, sir. Um, Dan, before we get into, uh, let's do wide receivers. Let's talk about how 
you grade these things. We have that elite class I want you to talk about a little bit before mm-hmm. you tell me if any of these guys are or not. What do you go into? How do you yeah? How do you break this down? This tape. So I break this down. Um, <laughs> I don't really care where a guy gets drafted. Um, I put them in a position. Like for me, the draft goes elite prospect, which means if you go number one overall, I think it's a good idea. If you go one through five, I think it's probably a steal. If you're drafted anywhere past like five or ten, I think it's an absolute steal. Um, so that's my elite. Then I go top 10, which sounds elite, but it's not. Um, elite is borderline a guarantee that this player will be successful in the NFL. A top 10 grade means there is something in their uh, natural ability, the way they play, that says they feel like a surefire, but I can't give it a guarantee. Trevor Lawrence was a top 10 grade last year, not an elite grade. Joe Burrow was an elite grade coming out, and he's in the Super Bowl two years later. Trevor Lawrence struggling mightily in his uh, first year. Then I go mid-first round, late first round, early second round, second round, third round, and then late pick. Like, I go four through five, six through seven, and undrafted. Um, to not waste everybody's time, we're not going to do a lot of undrafted yeah. players here. Um, we're actually only going to be able to do, I think, what does it break down to? Maybe like, shit, 70 or 80 players, I think, when it when it breaks down. If you're talking five or six for every position, yeah. that's yeah. It, it, it turns out being like a, a small drop in here, and probably by mid-third round, most of it's dried up from what we're going to tell you about. But it still gives you a nice look at what you're looking at, yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll have a couple guys that slide in around four. You'll have, you know, I think we have in the past done some guys that went undrafted, but that was not on purpose. Um, we we gave them, some, you know, fifth round grades. But I think most of these guys will be gone. Uh, the ones we're going to talk about, I think, will be gone probably by round three. Now, what's interesting? Let's lean into wide receivers. Is uh, it seems like it could be a deep wide receiver draft. There's a lot of mm-hmm. talent there, but also uh, before the draft is free agency. And there's a lot of, right now, free agency wide receivers that could be available. Devontae Adams is, you know, uh, his contract's up here, so it's whether or not the Packers can re-sign him. Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Williams out of uh, L.A., Allen Robinson, and Odell Beckham Jr. coming off an injury. But these are number one guys that could be got for price if they do leave their team. I'm not sure who's restricted, who's not, but that could change the need for wide receivers. Um, Very true. And then in wide receivers, I started looking at mock drafts and things like that. Now, Dan, you're not totally focused on that. I kind of like this side of the the coin and my side and say, okay, well, where are these guys usually falling in terms of uh, the, the NML sports writers and stuff like that who have been doing these mocks since the last ones ended, since 2021's draft ended? Um, the spots they've been usually having them start is around, you know, if Devontae Adams leaves, Packers are at nine. Uh, yeah. they could go there. The Jets at 10 is a big one. The Jets need to give Zach Wilson some weapons. Uh, the Browns at 13 because even Juice Landry might be leaving. Uh, yeah. And then you have the Eagles. Yes, the Eagles could take another first-round draft pick because they got the picks and they need they True. still need the weapons. So 15 and 16 of the Eagles there. Chargers at 17 if Mike Williams leaves. Saints at 18. Raiders 22nd. Buccaneers 27th. So... Somewhere around there, there was even some I saw that, like uh, that Walter Football website had the uh, the Lions taking a wide receiver at two. I don't think that. Yeah. Well, happen. did they have him taking Traylon Burks? No. 
Okay. Uh, so I, Traylon Burks is a guy we're not talking about today, right? Uh, because we didn't scout him, but we I will touch on him slightly. Okay, good. And I like to touch um, on the uh, I like to tell you the names that we don't yeah. like go deep into. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that's what I think. That's how I want to set this stuff up. There was a CBS Sports one that had Panthers going wide receiver at six. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah had the Falcons maybe going at eight, but I think it's more Jets, Browns, that sort of area is definite wide receiver territory for these guys. Yeah, it's going to be, it, it is actually a very deep class for wide receivers. You could have as many as five or six guys go in the first round this year. I think you'd be reaching on about three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely think they could go because there's enough talent there, um, and there's always a need for wide receivers. Almost every league runs three wide receiver, or every team runs three wide receiver sets almost as a base now. You know, there's not Passing a lot of people league. running. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of people running with a fullback and two tight ends as their primary setup. So you're going to need wide receivers. You're going to need that depth. So just like DBs, you always need wide receivers. So uh, some guys are going to get forced up the board just through natural need. So you gave me the five names. I've gotten ahead of it too, and I had a chance to take a look at them. But, Dan, I want you to start us off. Who are we starting with here for the wide receiver prospect look of 2022? So would you like me to go how I have them? Uh, no, you know what? Go however you want. Yeah, if you want to start with your, your top guy, then go with your top guy. Okay. I'm going to start with my uh, my number one. Uh, my number one is Drake London. USC. Drake Lennon, USC. He wore number 15, at least most of the time I was there. This helps me when looking at the tape. Yeah. Uh, 6'5", 210. Yeah, what, let's talk about Drake London. And so uh, I'm going to tell you guys what games I watched as well, so you can nice. go back and see if I know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> um, we watched Drake London against Notre Dame, uh, watched him against UCLA, and watched him against Utah. Now, Notre Dame is a is a rival. One of the things I like to do with most of these games, or when I whenever I'm scouting, I like to go big game. I like to go rival, and then I like to go division when I can. So UCLA is also another arch rival of USC. So big game with Notre Dame, arch rival UCLA, and then Utah's in division against a, a bad team where he was very productive. Nice. Okay. So Drake London, number one thing that pops out is just size. Tremendous, tremendous natural size. He's six foot five. He's two ten. And there are moments where you watch him and you're like, oh, is he slow? But it's that Megatron effect where Megatron never felt like he ran a four three five, but he absolutely did because his legs aren't moving like pistons. They're just slow gliding. Yeah. Um, this is a two-sport athlete. This is a guy that played D1 college basketball um, and then just made the decision to stay with football because that's you know where he saw he had a better chance to go. So uh, crazy size, really solid body control. The thing that stands out for me at his size is agility he has the agility of a much smaller man like i watch him and if you didn't tell me he was six foot five and i just got to see his hips and his feet i'd say he's six foot two max Hmm. um very compact in his agility very compact in the way he moves his hands are maybe the best in the class uh just in terms of the way he receives the ball just the natural hands that he's got very very soft his speed is good. It's it's above average. It's pro ready, but it is not that elite speed. He's not going to be like a top end burner. Um, but he is dangerous with the ball in his hands. USC was always trying to get him the ball on bubble screens. Um, one of the things about him is he does not have pro routes. Uh, the routes are not well developed or polished. But he is a natural athlete and seems to put the work in. But once again, this is a two sport star. 
he's not a guy who committed himself to the technique. I think if he does, he's an absolute boom pick potential. I'm sa- I'm hearing it, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to it, but obviously this uh, tells us the answer for the rest of the guys too. But uh, you're not the only one who had him, number one. Um, a lot of other websites, PFF, Bleacher Report, Draft Buzz, all these other ones had him pretty much the top wide receiver. Is he elite? No, sir, he is not. Yeah, he's not elite. And I think I, I would agree with you there. I wasn't like... This guy is a wide receiver is going to light up the the league kind of player. Um, yeah. To our to our offense uh, or defense, excuse me. You know, Justin Jefferson. I don't think we thought he was going to light it up like he has and things like that. So there's yeah. always a chance that these guys do. But you're right. I with, didn't give Micah Parsons an elite grade. There you go. Right. <laughs> um, the last USC wide receiver taking in the first round. Do you know who it was? Last wide receiver in USC wide receiver yeah. in the first round. Ooh. Who? Nelson Aguilar. Oh. So this will be interesting because what USC had Pittman Jr. who was second round to the Colts. Yeah, he was second round to the Colts. I see a lot of similarities with these guys. Big guy, uses his body, a lot of those slants where he just gets himself in the way, but definitely better speed, definitely better athleticism. I I was going to say, Pittman did not have the body control. Pittman didn't have the agility, and he didn't have that top-level speed. And I think that's what's going to push London in the first round. Pittman also had a pedigree. You know, his dad played in the league, which always helps. Yeah. No, so I agree with you there, too. He's probably good enough, especially, too, due to some injury situations with other guys we're going to talk about who probably could have drawn some attention away maybe from this guy initially, Mm -hmm. but... Now, big question marks. I'll say that before we get well, to those. Well, he's got guys. one too. That's uh, right. He, you know, he broke he his had ankle. a major ankle injury. Yeah. And now, when was that? Uh, last year, right? Uh, yeah, that was last year. That was, I believe, in uh, November. So, I mean, he's he's going to be recovering, but it's it's a Dak Prescott level ankle injury. Oof. So that is one thing that actually could push him to the tail end of the first round, is because you don't know how useful or how ready he's going to be this year. Um, especially with that short area quickness. So that is going to be a running uh, run-through line, I think, in this episode, is uh, mm-hmm. this wide receiver could be very good if he gets healthy and back to where yeah. he was. Yeah. And and I've given injured players elite grades before. It it does not preclude me from giving out an elite grade, but he wasn't elite beforehand. The one thing I do I, I want to leave with this, because I talk about this more than anybody, I think, with wide receivers, loves to block. Yeah, yeah. He's a good blocker, man. I love watching a big-bodied, thin wide receiver love to block because he put his hands on guys and mauled them, and you need that in the NFL, especially as a rookie, because nobody's going to come here and give it to you. That's what they're saying, yeah. He loves to block. I, honestly, the only negatives that I read about him was they're like, well, he didn't play with a lot of press. He's, his pads are high because he's a tall guy, and mm-hmm. that's for that reason USC put him on the slot so he could get a yeah. free release sometimes. It's technique stuff. Yeah, to that point, he he doesn't have the technique developed, but he's got the athleticism that I'm not as worried about it. If you have a good wide receiver room, clearly he's athletic enough that you can get him to that spot. USC never did, but the raw... God, like, yeah, just the building blocks for this guy. I, I think I have him graded as a, a mid-first-rounder, um, but this is that's where I have him. I have mid-first-round. And I think that's probably all you can ask for the wide receiver's because of how deep the class is, because of how there's other guys you could get in free agency that'll probably outperform him initially. You know, who knows where he ends up at the top of his game. Uh, there's prospect comparisons uh, that I found online. The only one I really found for him that they were given was Keenan Allen. Yeah, I think Keenan no, Allen's probably a better route runner, though, but maybe that's oh, something yeah. he grows on, yeah. Yeah, Keenan Allen was a very polished route runner, but Keenan Allen didn't have the speed. 
That's true too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, in USC, I have no doubt that he'll learn how to play with the pros. Uh, he'll, you know, he can pick up some routes and stuff like that, but he knows how to get open and you know, zone coverage, things like that, broken down plays. Um, but yeah, he's probably, like you said, l- later first round, the uh, the tackles, the edge rushers, a couple coverage guys are going to be uh, ahead of him in this one. But yeah, I agree. But probably first wide receiver off the board. Maybe a couple guys can chase him, but he's yeah. he's probably right now the highest. If you're going to put a, a money bet on it, his odds are the best to go first. Uh, so here's the weird thing. We talk about different players having different ranks. Uh, NFL.com has him ranked as the number five wide receiver. No kidding. Okay. Number five. They have Traylon Burks as the number one, and I don't have Traylon Burks in the top end of the first round. So, mm. ugh. Who knows? Who knows? All right, well, let's move on then to the next prospect. Who's the next wide receiver to discuss? So our number two and the guy I have uh, ranked second is Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Ohio State, he wore number five on the field, uh, six foot, 192, much shorter guy than the last guy we spoke of, but also, yeah, the the other type of wide receiver you get out there, the, the shiftier, speedy guy, get him the ball in the open field and let him go. It's, uh, it's interesting because NFL.com always does these little analysis things and it gives you your pro comparable. And I don't know why people aren't saying this, but the comparable is Debo Samuel. Oh, I can see that. The ones I got was uh, older guys, Marvin Harrison and okay. Stedman Bailey. Remember from St. Oh. Louis Rams time. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Wow. That was the draft network gave Stedman Bailey. Yeah, it took me back to <laughs> So uh, I watched the game against Michigan State, Penn State, and Minnesota. Nice. Number one thing that uh, that I saw was, oh, my God, does C.J. Stroud owe this fucking guy some money? <laughs> uh, there were just some balls thrown. I don't know where the fuck they were going, and Garrett Wilson just snatched him out of the air. It was really, really phenomenal. Um, has, I would say, a pro-level sense of gaps in coverage. Seems like they were letting him do things you normally don't let a college wide receiver do, which is like sit down in zones and make that decision independent. Mm-hmm. Um, always found space. Great at kind of bumping himself open, getting himself open. Solid route runner. Um, his movements aren't controlled in and out of the breaks, but um, still good routes. You can tell when he's about to transition, which is a bit of a giveaway, but they can clean that up, especially with the athleticism. I, I will give him one component that is elite. This guy has got elite agility. Yeah. It's not the elite top end speed, but his short area quickness is insane. Yeah, the twitch. The If he learns yeah. how to use that stuff to run routes, the, that's some of the best route runners in the league. That's what you see Cooper Cup and stuff do. Like They're not the fastest guys on the field, but they're this move here and here is going to get your back turned to him and he's gone. That's your right. Those are the best plays I saw him do. Um he, you know, there's some cornerbacks he was going up against in college who were taller than this guy, though. So yeah. that's not a, uh, it doesn't seem to, excuse me, it doesn't seem to be a knock on new uh, receivers in the NFL anymore. Like, you know, when we watched Hollywood Brown come out, I was like, I don't know, he's a short guy, he's got some great speed, but, you know, is that going to be there kind of thing? He doesn't have that Hollywood Brown take off the top speed, but he's no. got that size where it's like a worrisome thing, but. Yeah, I mean, he was well, certainly... It's pro-ready. Yeah, and he was certainly, uh, like, seemed to be number one guy in, in Ohio State, unless it was the other guy we're going to talk about. Well, I, I, he's my number one in, uh, at Ohio State, but it's interesting. I, once again, it's always bizarre when I look up other people's grades. NFL has him as a boomer bust prospect. <laughs> to me, I think he's the cleanest wide receiver in the draft. 
because there's just things that you can, the things that you don't, if you don't clean up, it won't kill him, uh, make him safe. Uh, like I said, has got natural hands. Those are right there. Tracks the ball well in the air. Needs to clean up the breaks in and out of the routes, but has good routes independent of that. Has phenomenal agility. Um, he's going to need to add a little bit of strength mm-hmm. uh, to do what he needs to do at the at the NFL. But, um, yeah, doesn't do super well with press coverage, but being a six-foot-tall wide receiver, you're going to get him space. You're not going to ask this guy to sit up against a six-foot-two uh, cover two or press corner. You're not going to ask him to do that. You're going to get him space. You're going to get him, you know, between the tackles, running five yard curls or slants. That's where he's going to be successful, and I think it's going to be great for him. Yeah, a little short passes because he can usually make the first guy miss, and, and a couple of nice moves to get some uh, receiving yards after the catch. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think he's going to be. Yeah, he's going to be a success. It's just a matter of how much of one and where you take him because you can get other guys and all this other stuff. So. Also, um, is he healthy? Did he have an? He's the health. He's healthiest, right? He's healthy. Okay. He's healthy. Jeez, because yeah. there's a couple guys on this one, but yeah. So, uh, probably could go first round here too, depending on like Burks and 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 uh, the first guy we talked about where they end up going. Yeah. I Wonder. have him as a mid. I have him as a mid first rounder, but I think he's an immediate starter for almost every team in the league. Yep, and there's teams that could use it. I mean. Like I said back there, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, the Raiders. The Raiders lost a guy that kind of, you know, he could fill in. So, yeah, we'll see where he ends up going. Uh, next. Oh, and we'll be talking about his teammates too, but is he next? Who's the next guy you want to talk about? So, he's not next. Um, jumping right over him is John Mechie the third out of Alabama. Okay. I'm a little surprised by this one. Yeah. Well, I, I will get into it with Olave a little bit, um, but I have them similar. I have them with similar grades. I have John Mechie the third watched Arkansas tape, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame in the 2020 Rose Bowl um, when he was not the primary target. Because that was that's the thing that really interests me about a wide receiver is when you're not the primary, how are you playing? You know, because the primary is always going to play hard because right. he he knows the ball is probably going to get to him. How do you play when you're not the number one? Right. He um, picked up targets due to injury. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His uh, his hands are technically good. <laughs> they're technically good, but you can tell they're not natural hands. He seems to have to concentrate, but his hand strength is phenomenal. When he, Whenever he was in contested catches, you could tell he's putting the work in. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. Um, route running is excellent. That's just what happens when you play wide receiver for Alabama. Alabama. Yep. You're just a technician, man, in, in your routes. I mean, talk to De- uh, Devontae Smith, talk to uh, Amari Cooper. These are guys that are just absolute technicians when it comes to the route running. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got that. It looks good. The crazy thing is watching him, his combos look the exact same before he makes his break, whether he's coming back, whether he's stutter and go, whatever it is, it looks the same. You can't tell, Um, which is really, really, that's just a technical thing that you can tell that he worked on. So it feels so pro ready when I watch John Mechie the third. That being said, doesn't have that elite speed, Mm -hmm. doesn't have the elite hands isn't a great blocker, isn't a guy that's like super interested in getting involved in the run game. A lot of technical good. He is another prospect that I would label as clean, but without the without the ceiling that we've got from a guy like Garrett Wilson. Okay. Um, he's a clean prospect. I don't think he deserves to go in the first round. You, um, you were right on where I saw things too, like the route running is probably his best trade or separation mm-hmm. from that. Um 
he there was talk uh people are saying he doesn't extend the ball for the catch he lets it come into his pads and sometimes yep. that's drops and things like that there was a prospect comparison him to tyreek hill that was a little no yeah what? interesting that doesn't make any sense. the one i saw there i think that was the nfl draft buzz one or something and then um most though, which I'm surprised by this and a lot of this is a segue, but most of these had him as the last guy gone, even after some other uh, prospects, uh, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson for uh, Penn State, excuse mm-hmm. me if I mispronounced that, um, some wide receivers at a Kentucky, South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert. You know, there's a couple yeah. other guys, but Mechie was kind of falling down the ranks here. You like him at least uh, over the next few guys we're going to talk about? So, yes and no. The big knock on him is, we talked about this as a running theme, tore his ACL in December. In the championship game. In the championship game against Georgia. Tore his ACL. Oh, the SEC uh, championship. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. That is a tremendous... Well, to me, that's actually a mark. We have so many guys that don't want to get... They don't want to play in the postseason because they're like, hey, I'm going to be a first second rounder. This is what it is. I don't need to do this shit. He played, he was competitive, he was in the game, he was involved, and tore his ACL. Now, he's not going to be ready for camp. Whether he's going to play at all in his rookie season is, is telling something else. Watching his film, if he comes back to what he was, I have him as a high second-round grade. Okay. Because of that, I can definitely see him falling out of the second round. Because people go, well, if I'm going to pay a second-round wide receiver, he's got very few elite uh, skills yeah. that would tell you, oh, but if we hold on to this, another guy like this won't come around again. That's the big issue with John Mechie the third is that there's nothing that makes you go, I'm never going to get this anywhere else. Right. Alabama will have another guy like this the next year. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of the things that he's good at, you can make someone good at. Okay. Now, it, it, that's not to say that you are. I mean, we've talked about a bunch of guys that don't have some of the abilities John Mechie already has. But yes, he doesn't. Yeah, you don't feel like you're missing out on a potential superstar if you don't take him. And I think with that injury history, that's going to force him down. I can see Mechie going in the third or fourth round mm. um, just because of that ACL tear, but whoever gets him will be getting a steal. Yeah, that would be yeah, a nice little diamond in the rough for uh, somebody who fell yeah, to a good spot there. So we'll see where Mechie ends up going. Um, he's not the only – well, you've got two guys left. And they I both do. are on teams we've already talked about. In fact, uh, both of them also played together for a spill. But who are you going with yes, next? Sir. So my number four prospect is back to Ohio State for Chris Olave. Chris Olave. And I had to hear them say that, too, because I think I was I first saw his name. I was pronouncing it Olave or something like that. But yeah. it's Olave. He wore number two for Ohio State. And uh, I watched him in the Minnesota film, uh, watched him against Oregon, and watched him against Michigan State. Um, this... Uh, Talking about Mechie, it's very interesting because a lot of the stuff with Olave is the same. Nothing is elite. The hands are not elite. The speed is not elite. He has kind of prototypical, um, prototypical wide receiver size, about 190. He's about six foot one, so he's actually a little bit bigger than Garrett Wilson, but he's not as dense. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have Wilson's speed. Doesn't have his agility. He's not a great blocker either, which is kind of crazy. Um, this is another example of a guy who is a finished product. So he is what he is. To me, he is a mid-second rounder because he's going to give you good production. He can play any position. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can play slot. Um, I think he'll be a guy that will probably contribute on special teams as well. Smart guy, good route runner, nothing amazing, but has 
you know, as a senior, like I, I actually don't think he should have come back. I thought he would have done better uh, leaving mm-hmm. after his junior year. But um, one of the comparables that he's given is Terry McLaurin, and that's insane. He doesn't have McLaurin's speed. He doesn't have McLaurin's hands. Doesn't have McLaurin's body control. So I don't know where that comparable is coming from. To me, he's a mid-second rounder at best. Somebody else uh, compared him to Devonta Smith. I think that's more size than uh, ability. Devonta Smith much more athletic. Yeah. He was used and a, played harder. Right. <laughs> I felt like he was used a lot, just like um, Wilson. I felt like they used both these receivers kind of the same. Like we'll get them in the open field screens. Um, the one thing that maybe Olave showed where Wilson didn't was uh, a little field awareness, good sideline catches, setting up blocks. He would be a little more patient with it if he could see a yep. couple guys down the field and like, all right, well, let's get somebody over here to get between them and me. So he, he's kind of he seems like a smart player. Um, he might even have better top end speed than Wilson. What do you think? I I don't think he does. No. Um, I I think Wilson is actually faster on the top end, and obviously faster in and out of his breaks. Um, to that point though, you said he is a smart player. That's one of the things that I think gets him into the second round is because he's been productive for four years at a Big Ten as a premier Big Ten school. Um, he never crossed a thousand yards, but even as a sophomore, he had. 12 TDs. Right. Uh, as a junior, he had seven touchdowns. He's been productive this whole time, but the reason why he didn't come out last year is because nobody thought he was elite. Nobody thought that they could guarantee him as a first-rounder, and I still don't think he's a guaranteed first-rounder. He is productive. He is smart. He's going to come into your team. He's going to do good things, but he's not a star to me. But you're right. Yeah. Uh, he, by a sophomore, he was getting on the field in Ohio State, and I'm going to use this as a segue. It's not easy to get on the field in Ohio State, especially that young. Sometimes you got to go elsewhere to get seen. Uh, let's segue toward the last guy on your list. <laughs> uh, we have Jamison Williams. Um, I watched the Cincinnati tape, I watched the Miami tape, and I watched the Georgia tape. Can I tell you? This is the most frustrating wide receiver tape. Okay, I'm interested. I Alabama, watched. number one, uh, he wears on the field. Yeah, because I'm interested in this guy because yeah, some of them that I saw, he looked he looked a lot of fun. So I'm surprised he's last on your list. He is incredibly fast. Yeah, incredibly fast. He was a uh, played. He was a hurdler in high school. Is legit. I I would not be surprised if he comes in with four four or four three speed. The hurdler stuff um, makes a lot of sense. It is it's it's long strides like a track star down the sidelines. That's what I saw. Like you know, when I watched Robert Smith, like those freakishly longer legs and shorter abdomen type of player type of thing. That's what I see in yeah. his speed. Yeah. So has just absolutely take the fucking top off speed. Um, really, really kind of amazing. Really, really thin. Uh, very thin. He's six foot two, weighs less than Chris Olave, um, who I heard he said has kind of a thin frame. <laughs> so he's a very long, thin guy. Can I tell you what was most frustrating about this Please, guy? Please, yeah. He is a liability in the run game. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't care to do that. He do, One, he doesn't give a shit. Right. He does not give a shit. Watching John Mechie as the number two option to uh, Devontae Smith, who we loved, Mechie was involved, every single one. Wasn't a great blocker, but he was there. He was <laughs> Williams was regularly getting run through by corners. <laughs> corners half his size. We're just bitching this dude. And he literally like tackles his own man uh, in, in some of his stuff. He's just a horrible, horrible run blocker. Plus, if the play is not to his side, you can tell right away Yeah, uh, because he's quitting on the route. 
So those are the sort of things that I know you have elite top-end speed, but if somebody, the fact that he's went to Alabama, went to Ohio State, couldn't get on the field at Ohio State. Obviously, he was playing behind, you know, Wilson and Olave, and you can see why he couldn't get on the field because just wasn't wasn't doing the work you need to do in between plays. Wasn't doing the work you need to do on plays where you're not the primary target. That's that's a huge knock for that guy. Obviously, Alabama had an opening at wide receiver. They needed some help there, and he came in and was productive. Absolutely tore the roof off production-wise. Had over 1,500 yards. It was insane. His best year, but he's a one-year wonder in that way. And that's what, yeah, it seems obvious when you're talking about him where it's like, well, how did he end up you know, on the, the team for Ohio State and on the team for Alabama? Well, because they could see all of the ridiculous talent he has, and they were just hoping that he'd put it to work when they wanted him to on the field or in practice or whatever. Yeah, maybe that is a little bit of the knock on him. I'm, I didn't see that in the write-up, like coaches saying he's not a hard worker or something. But you're right. You do see it in the tape where he just doesn't care to block. He's like, yeah, I'm a wide receiver. I'll get in your way. I know where I'm supposed to run and what guy I'm supposed to be between in the run, but he's not paying attention to that. Um, outside of that, though, yeah, the acceleration, the the ability to take the top off the defense and even some of the change direction that he does – could make him one of the better wide receivers we talked about in this list, I think. In my head if when it, I was looking at it. Yeah. I wa- if it wasn't for the ACL tear, yes, there's another guy with an ACL tear. If it wasn't for the ACL tear, I think you'd have people fighting to take him in the first round. And that was in the national championship. That was in the yeah. very, very last game uh, where two that weeks later. happened. Yeah, so that's true. Two weeks later than the other guy in Alabama. So he will, again, another guy that might not be ready for next season at all because of how late it was he there the talk is that yeah maybe but he won't be in any of the uh combines he won't have any college pro day anything like that right you know but it he has a better chance of getting taken earlier than he should than mechie does because of that crazy crazy fucking speed uh, um that that is pro speed and i watched did you say you watched the game against nebraska he had three touchdowns in that one that was uh, one I, I saw no i did not watch i watched cincinnati miami and georgia okay yeah, so he's got yeah he's got some good tape. He was one that kind of was exciting to me, but yeah, that injury is huge. And again, it's a very deep wide receiver class. Um, you want to talk a little bit about some of these other guys, right? In this one, Traylon Burks, well, I think, is the other one out of Arkansas. That's a big one. Yeah, the, the, I will tell you the the grade I gave Jamison Williams oh, was yeah. actually uh, early third. Ooh, okay, all right. So he's I, gonna I fall. I'm really really not high on him. Also, not natural hands. Mm. Um, ton of body catches, a lot of sort of concentration drops. I've got huge issues with him. The one thing that I do like, and this is the one kind of redeeming factor, he played Gunner on the punt team. Oh, really? Okay. So there is some competitor to him, but it doesn't seem, it seems like that Dion level competitor where he's like, don't hurt me. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get hurt, but I do want to be competitive. He was making some pretty good tackles on, uh, on punt coverage. So that's something that even as he comes in, if he does get taken in the third round, you have some special teams capabilities. If somebody can get him to actually return kicks, right? Uh, yeah, you don't want your like extra. superstars to be the gunners, but at the same time, you do want your like fastest guys too. And he's yeah. got that top end speed. So as a rookie, yeah, you'd love to see that he'd at least be uh, willing to do that. Um, yeah. So pro- if he puts in the work, he's he's a boomer bust. Prospect comparisons I saw were other Alabama wide receivers, Jerry Judy or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's the connection. Yeah. He's not as not as crisp with his route run. Judy was a really good route runner. He's not. Okay. Um, Judy had natural hands. He does not. 
So uh, to me, that's a that's a huge difference. I I would take Jamison Williams in in the third round. Cool. And then the other yeah wide receiver prospects you wanted to touch on a little bit. These are the other ones that are names are popping up in the first round, maybe second round mocks. Uh, so if you are a Cleveland Browns fan, uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan, Todd, or um, Buccaneers, <laughs> Saints, late one guys, where you're like. You know, what if they take uh, Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky? What, what do you guys think about him? Because he could get stuff like these guys, uh, Sky Moore, Western Michigan. Those, what are some guys you might want to talk about that weren't uh, deep dives? So uh, we're not going to deep dive on him, but the a big, big guy to watch is Traylon Burks. Um, you can really convince yourself that Traylon Burks is going to be a mid or top 10 pick mm-hmm. if you watch the film. And then if you watch other film, you're like, oh, this guy's like second round, maybe at best. There's no way he falls past day two. He's going to go third round at the absolute worst. Could go somewhere in the middle of the first round because he reminds me a little bit of Des Bryant with less speed and body control. Neat. Okay. So the size is there. Good hands. They're not bad. It's, you know, he weighs 225 pounds. He's fucking huge. Has great body positioning, but not a guy that's going to be making like acrobatic catches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, there you go, folks. That's the wide receivers. It's begun. The prospects are on the board, and more are yet to come. And that's just where we're going to be going from here. I'm just fucking jazzed. <laughs> I cannot wait. We have so many positions left to go. And the fact that we've talked about potentially two to three first-round draft picks already, and we're going to have a guy, maybe you know, a couple guys in the second round. Yeah. Traylon Burks could be a fast riser. Um uh, uh, a big one coming is, is Jahan Dotson and Jahan. Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama, um, who is a guy with just pure potential, uh, absolute pure potential. But he's a you know redshirt senior guy that played at a non-competitive team. Right. Um, that's the big thing. So a lot of potential, but needs a lot of polish. So probably a second rounder in there somewhere. But it's making me curious and it's getting me excited. And thankfully, it's something to get us through this uh, malaise of no football going on here. And mm-hmm. this is silly. Let's get – let somebody pick up a, a dang ball. Let's get out on the field. USFL's like, we're doing it. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> right behind you. Uh, so, yeah, let's take a look. Well, um, next week we want to come back and do this again and uh, give you some more prospects. Dan, I, we haven't even discussed it, but where would you like to go from here? What what prospect class? You know what? We're starting out with some deep positions. Yeah. Um, so why don't we stay with some deep positions? Um, we're actually doing great on these wide receivers, and I think another place that's going to be really deep in the first round is actually going to be at the edge position. Oh, so yes, we're going to go will. defense. We're going to go edge. I think we've got a couple definitive top end of the first round grades and a potential elite. Yeah, there's, there could Maybe be one some or two. elites in there. Um, edge guys, are we talking defensive end edge? guys is it the edge you're talking about or is it separate between like the edge backs so um we're we're also going to be talking about linebackers that are edge i mean we talked a little bit of uh daniel hunter uh is a guy that is going to be edge whether he's playing in a three four or four three right that's the sort of guy we're talking about cool every four three defensive end for the most part is going to be an edge and then we're going to have some outside linebacker three fours that are edge as well and these are big yeah big names and a couple of uh top draft pick potentials in these ones so come back come back for that episode man that's going to be it's going to be off the wall just like this one was can't wait all right but thank you guys for joining us for this one we're just uh it's it's scratching that uh, football itch that we really need right now uh, but before we leave dan i've got some crazy stats Ooh. Uh, just a couple here the first one since 2002 if a team beats the san francisco 49ers in the postseason 
they win the Super Bowl. And this has happened six times already. So going back, 2002, Buccaneers did it first. The 2011 Giants took care of the Niners in the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. 2012 Ravens had to do it in the Super Bowl, but it counts. counts. 2013 Seahawks took care of the Niners. That was uh, Crabtree, right? Don't you dare talk about me. Uh, 2019 Chiefs also in the Super Bowl. And then last year's 2021 Rams. Wow. So you just got to beat the Niners, and you're all of a sudden you're going to be wearing the jewelry. That's all it takes. <laughs> Put them on the schedule, man. Put them on the schedule. And then uh, finally, Dan, the NFL released their top 10 games of the last year of 2022. Um, oh, I didn't see this. Super Bowl was uh, number six on it. Super Bowl uh, La Vida, as we called it, ended up number six. What do you think? Because obviously, I think it's pretty obvious. What do you think was the number one game of the last year? <sighs> Number one game of last year. Given that the Super Bowl counts I, in the list, it was number six. I'm I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna go ahead and say it was uh Bills Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Bills Chiefs AFC yeah. divisional round was their number one game. I think that was, was the great. easy choice. What do you think was number two? Um I only wrote down the top three plus the Super Bowl. So. Good. That's a good question. I would say it's <laughs> maybe maybe poor Lions Ravens. That would be a good one. I don't even know if that one made the list, honestly. Number two, I mean, it was it wound up being meaningless, right. too. The number two game was actually Week 18's Chargers-Raiders. Oh, that was great. To too. the that overtime, really yeah. And then the number three was the AFC Championship game, Bengals-Chiefs. In fact, I think Chiefs were on the most of these top ten games, uh, but still a great season. That's that The list is there on uh, NFL.com's YouTube. That's where I found it, so if you want to take a look at the rest of that's where it is. But those are the crazy stats I have for this week, Dan. We've done the wide receivers. Come back next week for those edge guys. But first, give us some parting words of wisdom. It is a long, long off season. We have almost two full months before we even have a draft. That being said, there's never too much time to be spent on looking at young college athletes who have never been paid for the sport. But now we're going to heavily criticize them in a way that is meaningless to them. I love scouting. It's meaningless to the people that hear about it because all that matters is at the end of April, when your name gets called off the board, you are an instant millionaire. So some of these guys are going to be experiencing the the pure joy of that. Some are going to get the agony defeat of getting taken somewhere in the fourth round. Um, and some are going to go undrafted. So it's, it's the beginning of another long saga of drama here for these college football players. Perfect. Uh, That was so much fun. Let's do it again. And until then, thank you guys so much. I am Scott. And this is Dan. We will see you next time. Have a good one. Goodbye.